Welcome to Center Ice. It is the final day of August. We are here with our final episode of the month. Matt is here with me as always. He's got a brand new microphone. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I hope that you and everyone else can hear me a little clearer than we, we did the last time we did the show. Well, last time we did the show, I was with you and it was pretty good. But before that, I was doing it with my webcam mic and to be on to be frank Matt, that one was not very good so i needed an upgrade i've got an upgrade and uh hopefully we can keep the good audio quality rolling the whole way through the rest of the show eh yeah absolutely so first and foremost we have to get into a story that's difficult to talk about for for both of us i mean jimmy hayes passes away at 31 years old he played parts of seven seasons with Chicago, Florida, Boston, and New Jersey. He also started his own podcast with former NHL players Shane O'Brien and Scotty Upshaw. He developed close relationships with many people around him and was loved by a lot of people. And I'm just going to read some tweets from players that played with Jimmy Hayes at some point in their career. Patrick Kane, rest in peace, Jimmy Hayes, one of my favorite teammates ever. Blake Coleman. When I think of a locker room guy, I think of Jimmy Broadway Hayes. Very devastating news. He will be missed by so many. He always brought a smile to the rink in our time together in New Jersey. Our thoughts are with Kristen and their two young boys. Rest in peace, bud. Frank Vitrano. At a loss of words, when I first came to Boston, you were the first guy to take me under your wing. Your smile, laugh, and personality was contagious, and it lit up the entire room. You will be missed dearly. Rest easy, Broadway. My thoughts and prayers are with the Hayes family. Kevin Shattenkirk, someone we will miss for a lifetime. I'm so grateful for all the memories I have with Jimmy, but I will always wish there were more around the corner. Sending love and strength to the Hayes family, especially Kristen and the boys. Love you, Jimmy. Rest in peace. And Michael Grabner, man, what's going on in this world? So sad to hear about the Jimmy Hayes news. Only played a short time with you, but one of the best guys I have met. Condolences to family and friends. Hayes left behind two kids, Bo and Mac. Bo is two years old and Mac is just three months old with his wife, now widow Kristen. Just absolutely heartbreaking news, Matt. We here at Center Ice send our condolences to the Hayes family and everybody else affected. Absolutely. It's just a horrible story uh, out of this offseason. Really, really tragic. And Jimmy Hayes was not all that old, Mac. He was he uh, passed away at 31 years old. That's only 10 years older than I am and uh, quite young. And I do remember Jimmy Hayes' playing days. And I-, I remember all the time on radio, whenever someone would bring up Jimmy Hayes, he was a locker room guy. He was a fan favorite. He was a team favorite. He, he uh, really had some good years in NHL. I remember he struggled a bit earlier in his NHL career, but he really started to find his footing later in his NHL career. I recall his time in Florida, I believe his career high was 19 goals and 16 assists or something like that, which are decent numbers. And he was always, he was a guy that knew how to play the game. And he was a mentor through his entire career. Everyone loved him. And certainly the hockey world uh, is going to miss Jimmy Hayes. As uh, it's, a, it's such a hard story, Mac. And then it's one of those things where sometimes the words uh, can't describe how sad things are, right? Yeah. I mean, life is short, people. You never know what can happen. Just 31 years old. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking. 
Well, let's move on to some other news. We did have two big long-term extensions signed, and let's start with Andrei Svechnikov. Yeah, I like this Svechnikov deal, Mac, and I think it's a bench. I think it's a benchmark for what we could expect to see Brady Kachuk get, and we'll get into Kachuk a little later. But I think this is a solid signing from the Hurricanes. Some might say it's a bit of an overpayment. I think it's going to be an underpayment by the time that contract really gets going, Mac, because Svechnikov, he's only been getting better year after year. He's shown how good of a player is. He's an impact player. Uh, you and I watched him during the most recent playoffs. If I'm a Hurricanes fan, I'm very happy with this deal. I actually was surprised, Mac, that he didn't get signed for more than he did. I thought seven and a half was a little lower than he would have gotten. I thought he would have gotten eight. I think that the Hurricanes have locked him up to a good, I think arguably a team-friendly deal that has some good term to it, but it's not overly long. And it, they'll have Svechnikov locked up for his prime, which still has yet to come. And when it comes, it is going to be incredible to watch. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I agree with that. And also interesting that the Flyers were able to sign Sean Katuri, who is a much more proven player to the same deal which i think is very reasonable considering this is one of the best defensive forwards in the league one of the best centers in the league and sometimes he doesn't have great years but you can always count on him especially in the playoffs he's a big time performer and he is not the reason that the flyers struggle to take that next step you know he's the reason they're in the conversation to make that next step he is huge for that flyers team absolutely another good signing uh, one of the few things I'd say this offseason that you and I can look at for Philadelphia and say, this was a good move. This is a move that's going to pay off. Keeping Couturier around, I, I know there was a little bit of rumors flying around when the Flyers were really struggling that maybe, just maybe, they might trade him, but I did I never saw it happening. They like Couturier for a good reason. They wanted to keep him around. They got him on a good deal. And as you said, he's a proven player. I think that Katuri is one of those players that you want to keep around as you rebuild this Flyers core and hopefully get yourself back into playoff contention, if not this year, next year. So two good signings right there, Mac. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing we had, which we don't usually have, was an offer sheet. Now, (laughs) this just goes to show you kind of how boring the NHL can be sometimes. Like, it was exciting when all these trades were happening and free agents were signing. And then we just have like a long lull of really nothing happening. And then an offer sheet happens and we're like, oh boy, when these things happen in other sports all the time. But anyway, Jesperi Kotkaniemi offered $6.1 for one year. He has signed the offer sheet. With a $20 signing bonus, which is Sebastian Ajo's number. And if you didn't know this, the Montreal Canadiens do not have the cap space to match this offer right now. However, they could create it if they choose to match the offer. Now, here's what the important part is. If he signs this deal and he goes to Carolina, if Carolina wants to sign him again next year and they don't offer him some sort of extension at a lower number, which they can do, by the way, he will have to sign for $6.1 million. That Those are the rules. So what's your take on this? I mean, Coach Kanyemi is a guy that has had some ups and downs, obviously a very talented player, probably rushed along by Montreal, but he's been a playoff performer when I've seen him. And I think there's a lot to like about this guy, isn't there? Yeah, I'd say so. Well, first off, let's get into the offer sheeting itself. You and I, uh, it's one of the few things that you and I have really been advocating for here on Center Ice is offer sheets are totally legal. It may be a bit taboo, but if a team's going to twiddle their thumbs all summer and not re-sign some of their big restricted free agents, 
I think it's completely fair game for a team to go after them. And in this case, the Carolina Hurricanes and the reports are that Tom Dundon was the one that really pushed for this, Max. So the Carolina Hurricanes owner, they saw, oh, well, Kokinami is still unsigned by Montreal. He doesn't appear to be too happy with what Montreal has been doing with him and his development. He's, remember, Mac, he was up and down from Laval to Montreal all over the last couple of seasons. He got benched in the Stanley Cup final, even though he was having a good Stanley Cup playoff performance. And that certainly would hurt his psyche overall, for sure. Getting him signed to a, I'd say a pretty good deal, Mac. It's a little risky. 6.1 might be a bit rich, but remember, it's only for one year. As you mentioned, Kokinami's a proven playoff performer. And I think with a little bit more development, Mac, he's going to really blossom into a solid player. I, I will say, I don't think he'll ever quite live up to that third overall position that he got drafted at, but he, he was projected in the top 10 in his draft year for a reason. He's been a good player in Montreal. And I really think having some more support around him in Carolina in terms of offensive weapons, better defense, I wouldn't say better goaltending because you're not going to get much better than Carey Price. But overall, going from Montreal to Carolina is going to be an upgrade for him. And I think that it's going to be a good move for him. And I'm really interested to see how he's going to do in Carolina. And as you said, Montreal could still find a way to match this offer, but I don't see it happening. I see Ber- I don't think Bergevin has any interest in matching this offer sheet and I think Carolina is going to get Kokinami for a decent deal and for a lot cheaper than they would have if they wanted to go trade for him that's for sure that's right and remember they're giving up a first round pick which will be a late first round pick because they should be a playoff team and a third round pick that's the cost of acquiring him if they don't match. And I think they're perfectly willing to give that up. The thing about Code Kanyemi is you still don't really know what you've got there. I mean, you know, he's got the upside, probably, I would say low potential number one center, more likely a number two, but at the very worst, he's a third line center. So they're taking a gamble here and they're saying to themselves, okay, we can get this guy by offering this money. We have expendable draft picks. We have a quality farm system. Why not? Let's see what happens. And I think playing in a different market, a market that really loves hockey, is new, it's a lot of fun. This is a great opportunity for him if he does go there to just play in a scenario where there's not pressure around him every single day like there is in a hockey craze market like Montreal. Yeah, you've got you may you bring up a great point there, Mac. One needs to remember that the pressures of playing in a Canadian market in particular, like Montreal, like Toronto, can weigh a lot on a young player. And uh, it certainly did on Kokinami. I think a fresh start is probably going to pay dividends for him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to some more news and notes. And this is a big one here. Henrik Lundqvist retires from the NHL. It's not going to be the same, Mac, without King Henrik in the net. It was weird enough this season when he wasn't in the Rangers' crease, but now that he's gone for uh, good, it's just not going to be the same. And uh, you and I both have always been big King Henrik friends. It, it really is too bad that he never won the Stanley Cup. The closest he got, of course, was in 2014 when he really helped backstop the Rangers to a 2014 finals appearance. But I remember Lundqvist in his prime and he was just out of this world, Mac. He and Carey Price, the two of them were insane. And Henrik Lundqvist, I 
particularly remember the 2012 Stanley Cup playoffs in that first round when the Senators faced off against the Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist, he would bail out his team time and time again. That Rangers team was pretty darn good overall, but there were times where the Sens would really press the attack, especially in that game seven. And Ottawa was all over New York for the last third of the game. And Henrik Lundqvist looked calm, cool, and collected. And he backstopped the Rangers to a big game seven win at home. For me, when I... If I had to describe Henrik Lundqvist in one word, Mac, it'd be consistency. You knew what you were going to get with Henrik Lundqvist. For the most part in his career, he was a healthy goalie. He was consistent. He put up solid numbers through most of his career. You could He could be counted on. That's what was great about a goalie like Henrik Lundqvist. And that's all you can ever really ask about Henrik Lundqvist. Now, I guess the question becomes now, Mac, as we start looking back on his career, where do you rank him in terms of top goalies? Do you put him in that top tier category? Do you put him in a mid tier? Where would you put in amongst the ranks of the greatest goalies well I, I think that's a great question first of all i think if you look at how good the players are today a lot of the former players will admit okay these goalies these defensemen these forwards are way better than we were in our prime so if you consider just how many shots they have to face quality shots how much skill is on the ice and just especially during the playoffs, if you look at Henrik Lundqvist's career, there were no easy games. I mean, and you mentioned consistency. Like you said, he was just the model of consistency. You know, he finished with, I believe it was a 918 save percentage for his career, which is incredibly high. And if you look at that in terms of all-time rankings, yeah, it was 918. He's 10th all-time in save percentage. So that is something. I mean, he's four points behind the great Dominic Ashik. Lundqvist, to me, like, here's the thing that really sticks out. A, it's the consistency. Like you said, there was never really a decline. You know, there was an understandable decline when he got very old that he started to suffer from injuries. And then obviously he had the heart problem, and that's very difficult to deal with. So he decided to retire, and I get that. But there wasn't this sharp decline. It was a very small decline, and he would still put together quality starts. But here's where I think of Henrik Lundqvist in terms of one of the best of all time. For me, he's on the short list of goalies that I would want in my net in a Game 7 Stanley Cup winner-take-all game. How many goalies can you honestly say you would take over a Henrik Lundqvist in a game like that? I don't think there's many, Mac. You know, you could probably think of a few, like maybe a Carey Price, a Dominic Hasek, as you mentioned. Some people might put up Marty Berger. Henrik Lundqvist, his record speaks for itself, Mac. He was very good in Game 7. And unfortunately, I don't quite have the stat on me. Maybe you can... Maybe you have it, Mac, of his all-time Game 7 record. But I remember it being quite good. And his playoff, his career playoff statistics were very good, too. He finished his career playoff. His uh, goals against average, Mac, was 230 in the playoffs with a 921 save percentage for his career in the playoffs. I think that speaks for itself, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the Game 7 record, 6-2 and two in his career in Game 7. Wait, exactly. The stats back it up here, Mac. We also, I also need to mention his international record here, Mac, because he has a lot of hardware from representing Sweden. Let's just go over it quickly, Mac. 2006, gold medal with Sweden. 2014, Sochi, silver medal. World Championships, 2017, a gold. Silver in 2003, silver in 2004. At the World Cup of Hockey, he backstopped a good Swedish team to a bronze. And at the World Championships in Nuremberg in 2002, a gold medal. So that's a lot of hardware on the international stage representing his native Sweden. Listen to these stats for his international performance, Mac. Over his career, he played 51 games 
for the Swedish national team, 2.08 goals against average with a 9.17 save percentage and a 36-14 and one record. That's pretty darn good representing your country. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't even mention that this guy was a late seventh round pick by the Rangers. You want to talk about someone who worked his rear end off to get to where he is and just became an absolute superstar. One of the greatest goalies of all time. That is a great story, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it's just like a a fellow Swede and Daniel Alfredson. I really do hope that when it comes time to look at whether Henrik Lundqvist should be in the Hall of Fame, I really do hope that they will look past the fact that he does not have a Stanley Cup to his ring. Because remember, it's not the NHL Hall of Fame, Mac. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. His career statistics, the accolades he's gotten, the uh, championships he's won for his native Sweden should very well get him into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree. And just one other thing we have to mention with Henrik, one of the most likable guys, great person on and off the ice. He was loved by anyone he ever played with. I don't think there's anybody that dislikes Henrik Lundqvist. Like he's one of those professional athletes, former professional athletes now that just is loved by everybody. Everybody loves and respects the guy. And that is, that is an accomplishment. Absolutely. Henrik Lundqvist, I think, will go down as one of the all-time greats. I don't think he is the greatest goalie of all time, but one could certainly make a case for him. Okay, so let's move on to some sense talk here, shall we? All right, well, what is there to say about the Senators other than it's been a pretty quiet offseason up until now, Mac, and we'll, we'll get into the trades and stuff they made a little later, but let's look at what they just did in re-signing Philip Gustafson to a two-year deal 750000 for the upcoming season two-way. And then next year, it's a one-way deal worth $850,000. And to me, this is a very solid signing. There were some doubts about Philip Gustafson coming into this season for Ottawa Mac. And I'd say he's definitely silenced most of his doubters. He had a strong 2021 season. I wouldn't be surprised if he splits some playing time between him and Murray is how I think they're going to do it. Forsberg will factor in there too. That it'll be interesting to see how they approach the crease this year. The big thing, of course, with the crease is how do they expect Matt Murray to do? Because if they expect Matt Murray to continue to struggle like he did last year, then I expect to see a lot more Philip Gustafson in the net in Ottawa. But if they expect him to bounce back, then I just expect Gustafson to play a lot of his time in Belleville. Yeah, that's fair. So it's kind of one of those deals that there's no real risk involved. You understand that There's no guarantees he'll continue to play at the level he did last year. He might need a little more work in the minors, and that's okay. But we really like what we saw from this guy. And really, ever since they made the trade for him, acquiring him, I believe it was from Pittsburgh, right? Yep, for Derek Broussard. He's been a a steady surprise and a guy that has really emerged as really potentially the goalie of the future for the Sens. And it's, it's not necessarily reasonable to expect him to have you know an elite year next year but I think you have to expect that he's going to continue to build off what he did last year and I think the Sens are going to be one of those teams that might use two or three goalies this year yeah I think that's quite possible and the expectations in Ottawa have been pretty clear at least from the fan base is that we're not expecting you to make the playoffs this year but they want to see the Senators start to push for a playoff spot be in the mix come March and early April. And I'd ex- I think that's reasonable. I think that's quite reasonable from where the Senators team is in their rebuild. I expected them to make, if you asked me back in January where I, when I expected them to make the playoffs, I would have said two years. So that would be 2023. And I say they're on track for that. I think this, this Senators team will be a tough team to play against this year 
I, I'm really looking forward to the season. Uh, I've actually been talking with my uh, friends at the centers and we're getting back to work soon. So that's very exciting. The only other thing that needs to be figured out before the season, Mac, and it's a big one, is Brady Kachuk. There's been lots and lots of rumors this summer about what kind of deal he's looking for, whether he wants to be in Ottawa, things like that. The current news from what I've gathered, Mac, is that they're looking at a similar deal to Andre Svechnikov. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a fair deal for the team and Brady Kachuk? I think I would be looking to get him for between six and seven if I could. But if you had to pay seven to seven and a half, kind of in that Svechnikov range, absolutely, that's worth it. I mean, this is a guy who consistently puts up great numbers. He's physical. He's kind of one of those unicorns that has a great shot, a lot of hits. He's a good defensive player. At the same time, you have to be careful not to overpay him because... I don't know if I would put him in the same lore as an Andrei Svechnikov just yet because Svechnikov has those elite offensive abilities that Brady Kachuk just doesn't quite have, in my opinion. So I think if you're if you can get him for, I don't know, five, six years between six and seven million, that's probably what you're aiming for. I would say between seven and eight is a little steep because it seems a little risky to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. From an Ottawa perspective, in terms of prospects, the number one offensive prospect has got to be Tim Stutzla. And his contract uh, is still a couple years out, but with contracts being as big as they are nowadays, and a lot of the core guys like Norris and Kachuk also need, and Batherson also needing contracts soon, you have to start thinking, uh, especially uh, going into, if you want to contend, you got to start thinking about these contracts two or three years down the line. Look at Tampa. They they were thinking of contracts years before they actually came up because they knew they had to keep keep up on their contracts. Otherwise, the core could fall apart because they overpaid for players. And I'd say it's worked out pretty well for Tampa with back-to-back cuts. The other interesting thing with Brady Kachuk, and I'm completely on board with this, is the rumors are they want to get Brady Kachuk the captaincy. And I like that. I think this is a good time in the rebuild to name a captain. Brady Kachuk is a great guy on and off the ice. He's a natural leader. He can really rally the troops. I think that this is that giving Brady Kachuk the C along with a new contract not only would be good for Brady Kachuk, but I think it would also signal to the fan base that we're almost at the end of the tunnel. The light is very, very close. The rebuild is almost over and we're getting ready to start really pushing for the playoffs again. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we talk about the captaincy on Kachuk or somebody else, what about Drake Batherson? What sort of deal do you think is fair for him? And what do you think the Sens are looking at here? Now, I haven't heard as much about Drake Batherson at the moment, but I do. I did hear earlier this month, Mac, that contracts negotiations were in progress. So it's not like they've stalled. I think what's quite what I would expect is somewhere in the four and a half to five million dollar range. Because you have to remember, Drake Batherson probably will be a pretty darn good player. He had a good year last year in his time in Ottawa, but he still isn't quite as proven as Brady Kachuk. So that's going to limit the amount of money and term he's going to get. As I said, I'd expect somewhere between four and five million for three years. I'd expect a bridge deal. And I think that's probably what they're working towards. I'd expect news on that to come out in the next week or two. Okay, so now let's quickly talk about which direction the Sens should go with their captain. Are you fully on board? Brady Kachuk all the way, sign him to an extension, give him the C? Pretty much. I'd say 75% of the way there. I, I also could see them definitely giving Thomas Shabbat the contract 
the captaincy because he's already under a long-term deal. He's been solid on the blue line, especially since the departure of Eric Carlson a few years ago. And he's logged a lot of minutes. He's also well-liked in the locker room. So that's possible too. But I just think signing Brady Kachuk to the contract, giving him the captaincy, it's a good look on the on the franchise as a whole after years and years of having not very good news come out of it, the centers. I think it would it would really get fans excited for the season because Sens fans, just like every other team in Canada, should be getting fans back into the building this fall with vaccines and all. It'd be a good way to sell tickets, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Other than Brady Kachuk, the only other guy that comes to mind for me is Connor Brown. And for me, he's a great team guy. He's a leader on and off the ice. Very good to be around and a very good player coming off a great year. And I think he's discovering that he has another level to his game because he was kind of a third, you know, second liner in Toronto. Now he's getting an opportunity in Ottawa and he is coming off a great season. The only thing that can slow him down is injuries. And if he can build off what he did last year, I mean, this is another good choice for the Sens. It doesn't always have to be a guy like a Brady Kachuk. It can be a Connor Brown. I I think that's a guy to keep in mind, potentially, if they decide to go that route. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of expectations for the Senators this year, Matt, what are your expectations? I think they, they showed a lot of promise last season. I think, especially down the stretch, you know, they had a much better second half. But if I look at the Senators last year, there were a few things that really kind of did them in. First of all, really bad first half of the season. Just there's no getting around that. Second of all, Matt Murray was terrible. (laughs) Just (laughs) terrible. Not good at all. As soon as they put in somebody other than him, like Decord, Gustafson, Forsberg, they had a chance to win. That like, And I think those guys are going to get more playing time this year, as they should. So if the Sens can have a better first half and they can win those big division games, I think they're certainly going to be in the conversation for a playoff spot. I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that just yet. I would have to see what they do to open up the season because I know that they can be a little inconsistent. That's what happens when you're a young team. But I think the biggest thing is defense and goaltending. And now you have more young players coming up. You have Bernard Docker coming up. Eventually, Sanderson's going to be there. Another year for Brandstrom. Another year for all their young players like Stutzla. Batherson, etc. Hopefully Connor Brown can have the same type of year. If he does, that would be huge. Brady Kachuk should have another good year. To me, this is a team that showed they can be very difficult to play against and they have a lot of skill. Their biggest challenge is keeping the puck out of their net and playing what I would call box out defense. And what I mean by that is give your goalies a chance to make a save. What I found the biggest issue with the Sens last year was, especially in front of the net, they would just get outworked by other teams and they would get beat to rebounds and goals would be scored. So if they can shore up that area of their game, and obviously the arrival of guys like Bernard Docker will help, I think there's potential for this team to surprise some people and maybe make it in this year. If not, they're at least in the conversation. But I'm on board with you. I think next year, next year is when their window really starts as what should be a playoff team. Absolutely. Uh, One more thing I want to touch on, Mac, if we have time here, is it hasn't been confirmed as of 
the recording of this episode, but all signs are pointing to the NHL going to the Winter Olympics in February. We won't get into uh, hypothetical rosters just yet, although that is something we might do in a future episode once it's confirmed. Let's play a little hypothetical game here, Mac. Without naming a roster, how would you how do you feel about Canada's chances going into the Olympics? Because remember the last time the Canadians and the Americans and Swedes and so on and so forth had NHL caliber talent on their rosters for the Olympics was 2014. That's a long time ago now. Be a whole new class of Swedes, Americans, and Canadians. Any early favorites that you feel like could contend for that gold medal and what would probably be a very good Olympic tournament? Well, I think the the three top dogs are going to be Canada, Russia, and the United States. I mean, and I wouldn't want to face a guy like Andre Vasilevsky in a tournament like that. No, thanks. Um, but Canada should be good. They're always very good. I think the biggest question with this tournament is which players will go because there's a lot of questions about insurance and how much coverage those players will have if something happens. There's a lot of questions they have before they decide to go. You know, is a guy like Sidney Crosby going to go? I think players like Connor McDavid will go, but I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if kind of those older guys like Bergeron, Crosby, who are still very, very good, will want to take that risk and go. I'm not sure. It's it's something that we'll kind of have to wait and see. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a younger Team Canada this time around because remember the last, uh, the last time we really saw that core of Team Canada was 2016 in the World Cup of Hockey. And they were still quite good in 2016, but that was five years ago now. Five years of more NHL experience on you is a blessing, but also a curse. And I think that Canada could very well go quite young for their Olympic roster. I could definitely see the Americans going that route. I think the American, I definitely wouldn't want to sleep on the American roster because I think that this core group of American players, guys like Brady Kachuk, for example, would be a real big asset for the American program. And let's not forget, we've had Steve Corneanos on a couple of times. And every time he comes on here, he keeps telling us how much better the American development program is. Mm-hmm. So I really think the Americans could push for gold. They haven't won in a while, Mac. I do think that 2022, if they're sending their top dogs to the Olympics, the Americans, I think, will almost certainly go quite young. I think it might be a bit of, it'll be a bit of a mix for the Canadians. And then, well, the Russians uh, are the Russians. That's for sure. That's all I can say about the Russians. One more thing I want to touch on for Canada quickly, though, is how do you feel about the goaltending situation? Because that certainly is one of the bigger changes between 2014 and now. Carey Price is not the spry young goaltender he was Mm. in his prime back in 2014. That's a great question. I think that depends on what the young Canadian goalies like, like a Carter Hart do. Because if Carter Hart struggles like he did last year. I don't think he's going to get that invite. But if he has a great year like he did the year before, why wouldn't you? You want to talk about a guy who has so much potential to be one of the best goalies in Philadelphia Flyers history. That's Carter Hart. And I believe he's closer to that guy we saw that first year. And there's no reason not to expect that. The question is, is he going to struggle with a little bit of inconsistency or is he going to get right back on track? I don't, there's not really any other young Canadian goaltenders that I can think of off the top of my head. You know, my, my mind goes to Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury, (laughs) (laughs) in terms of Team Canada goalies. And that's okay because those guys are still pretty damn good at their age. I do, especially if Marc-Andre Fleury has another good year in Chicago, I think it's quite possible that 
Marc-Andre Fleury, assuming in it, the NHLers go to the Olympics this year, Matt, he gets to start in the first game. And Canada's in a pretty good group. They've drawn in with the Americans, the Germans, and the Chinese. So the Canadian should beat the Germans and the Chinese. The first real test, of course, will be against the Americans, as it almost always is. All right. Anything else before we wrap up here, Matt? Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot more to talk about right now. Of course, give it a couple weeks. Things are going to start get, start going again. We've got rookie tournaments scheduled again this year. We've got training camps, the OHL, and the rest of the CHL. It looks like it's good to go this year. So we've got an awful lot of hockey news. Not too far away. Just a couple more weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting time for sports fans. The NFL around the corner. The NHL not too far away. The NBA also upcoming. It's exciting to not be watching baseball all the time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Especially uh, with how the Blue Jays have been. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Okay. Th- th- this is where we stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Center Ice. You know where to find us. We're on every podcast platform. For Matt, this is Max signing off. Take care. Enjoy the off season, and stay safe, guys.